This is the intro I came up with, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. Welcome back to the Tabletop Shop Podcast. This week on the pod, with our reviewing hats on, we're tackling Spirit Island, one of the heavier cooperative games out there. Then we sit down and analyze some of our the interesting aspects of our top 100 lists and our 2023 plays. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nate Clark, and as always, seated across the country from me is your other co-host, Mr. Cody Pennington. I just want to say that I didn't interrupt you at all throughout that whole intro, although I could have. Calling the podcast The Pod is kind of a, a suspicious choice. <laughs> you, you just got to mix it up every once in a while, Cody. You know, I thought about pausing at the end and, and expecting you to say your own name just as a little throwback joke, but <laughs> like I paused for like a second and a half and I was like, I'll just say it. Like, it, it was it uncomfortably so well. long, but I thought I would just wait. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Uh, Cody, question for you. Yeah, dude. Do you, and this is a fitting, fitting question actually for the what we're talking about today do you own all of your top 20 games and whoa okay you can go look it should be pretty quick for you to check do you own all of your top 20 games um should everyone do you think that's something that everybody anybody who has compiled the list at least of their top 20 do you think that people should own those also if they're saying these are my 20 favorite games should they own them I'm going to right off the bat say no, because maybe you had a friend that taught you Gloomhaven or Twilight Imperium, and uh-huh. they own it. And then maybe because they already own it, there's no need for you to go spend $150 and buy it for yourself. So purely off of that, I don't think it's necessary. But otherwise, if you really like a game and it's you know your average reasonably priced game, you should probably own sure. it if it's in your top 20. Yeah, th- um, those are those are the extreme cases, right? Where you have something that's maybe out of print or whatever, and somebody you play somebody else's like, yes, you are allowed to like that game, even if it's not really possible for you to acquire it. Sure. Or what if you can only play it digitally? What if you, I don't know, what if you have Board Game Arena, or maybe there's an app version for the game that's like five dollars and you well, bought it. You Does, kind does that of, count as owning you, it? Yeah, you, you kind of own it. Then I would say, like, you have access to play the game whenever you want. And okay. and you paid something for it, so I would say you own it then. But on BGG, where you can have a collection, you can add something to collection under own. Would you then, if you only own it digitally, put it as owned? I think you can. Asking I think for you a can. <laughs> I th- I think I would say so. Um, and you can even like you can add notes to your collections. You could even say digital version or whatever if you really wanted oh, to get picky okay. about it. But Cody, do you own yeah, your dude. top twenty? Uh, let me look here. Uh, starting from the top, you will hear me say yes or no up to 20 times. <laughs> this will be exciting. Go for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 No. <laughs> Your number yes, 20 yes. is a no? <laughs> no, <laughs> 18 is 18. no. That was Terraforming Mars. Ah, uh, okay. Why don't you own Terraforming Mars? Uh, because we have Ares Expedition and... Not not saying Ares Expedition completely replaces Terraforming Mars, but it replaces it enough to where whenever we buy a new game, there's other things higher on the list. That that I understand, actually. I definitely yeah. understand that. Yeah. 
Thanks for validating that, dude. <laughs> do you own your top 20 games? Um, I definitely do not own all of them. I think I own my top 10. I'm going to say, just check them real quick. I do own my top 10. The first game I do not own is 14, and I do not own my 20. So just two. Wait, do you own Viticulture? And Viticulture. I don't own that either. Skipped over Aha, that. Ah, that, that's, your, that's your top 10, dude. <laughs> that is my top 10. Uh, spoilers. All right. Oh, dang. Uh, should we get into what we played this week? Yeah, let's do it. I actually have quite a few. I do as well. well we, we also should... haven't recorded for two we, weeks. Yeah, it's so. been it's been a w- little while. Um, so I guess let's 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 actually we say this every week, and we're already you know a few minutes into the podcast. Let's actually sure. try and make a point of not let's spending go, go like quick. more than like a minute or so on each game. You know. Okay, I'm gonna let you set the pace. You uh-huh. go first. Okay. All right, all right. Here we go. So I played four new games. I actually sorted them by worst to best okay i just you know i felt like doing that so four new games first is cat in the box this is a pretty recent trick-taking game with a little twist which is that there's no actual colors um at least all the cards are black and white you can still play colors but you just say what color it is when you play it and so you can kind of any card can be whatever color you want but every single combination like a green seven can only ever be played once you have to mark it on a little board when you play green seven or whatever so only only Every possible combination can only be played once. And so everyone's playing these cards. And if you don't want to play what's led, you know, it's a typical follow the lead. Then you say, okay, I don't have any greens. But then you have to mark that on a little player board saying you don't have any greens. And now you cannot play green for the rest of the game. And so it's this kind of meta, kind of like, not entirely all physical components, right? You're, you're making up the colors in your hand depending on what you need. And then uh-huh. there's this side component where you're marking the specific cards you play with tokens. And that's a grid. And there's another little kind of side midi game where you're trying to connect your tokens on that grid. So you're trying to play specific cards in specific colors that are adjacent to cards you've already played. Um, it's, it's, it's a weird little thing. I was pretty excited to play it when I heard about it about a year ago. Um, a little disappointed. It wasn't as exciting or interesting. The twist wasn't as interesting as I, as I was hoping. But I know some people really love this game. Mm. So that's subjective. Is it worth having? I, d- I don't know if I would say it's worth having. I don't know if I would say that. Also because I don't know if it works so well at, at you know at lower player counts also. So I just realized that that's just such a burn. What if you met the designer on the street? It looks like Monoyuki Yokoichi and you just told him your game is not worth having. Cody, in in West Virginia, I don't know if I'm going to meet anybody named Monoyuki or whatever you said. <laughs> I find that highly unlikely. <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't think of that. Uh, next up, Pulsar 2849. Now, I'm expecting yeah. to like this game more in the future. Um, okay. Right now, I, I don't know where to, to be on it because I've only played it once. And, and Suchi games are like this for me. It was the same with Messina 1347. I played it once, and after the game ended, I was like, okay. Um, next time I play this, I'll actually kind of know what I'm doing when I, when I start doing <laughs> stuff, you know? Um, but basically, it's a, it's a dice, dice drafting game. And I'm not even going to get into the drafting mechanism because it's actually rather a little little complicated and without a visual aid, very difficult to explain. But there's a cool dry, dice drafting mechanism. And then there's a ton of different things you can do with those dice. Um, but it's tighter. It's not like castles where you have a lot of kind of flexibility. It's very, it's a little more punishing and it's a little more, but you're, you're, you're drafting the dice, right? So you have more control over what you get. Um, but basically you are doing a bunch of different stuff with these dice. There's a little bit of like, uh, galactic exploration and getting some points out of that and exploring planets 
Um, but that's a minor part. The, a bigger part is a lot of these uh, texts that you can unlock using the dice. Um, and there's other facets to the game. There's there's end game goals. There's these like transmission tiles you can buy that give you extra dice and other bonuses, repeating effects. Um, it's it's it feels very abstract. It's got a space theme, and it's also weird. The sen- the main board is you have your little rocket ship that's going around exploring. That's actually not like the main focus of the game, like I was saying though, which is a bit strange because it's a big board and that takes up a lot of space. But the mm. stuff on the perimeter of the board, the text and the transmitter tiles and all this other stuff is actually kind of more important uh, for the for the most part, maybe a 50-50 split. Um, so it's 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 not super heavy, but it's just so weird, you know, that it like I'm excited to play it again and get it back to the table and kind of approach it with a strategy instead of, you know, figuring out the mechanisms while you're playing. So Yeah. Um, next up. Oh, okay. I got two more, baby. Just, I, I, was, I was waiting for the next one. <laughs> uh, World Wonders is my next one. Uh, this is a, an Arcane Wonders game. Uh, it's a basically just a polyomino game. You're drafting polyominoes, playing them on your mat, and then trying to meet requirements to build World Wonders based on the colors and the other geographical... Uh, things on your board um, and you're just kind of trying to fill up your board as much as you can you're trying to surround tiles for points there's end game scoring things you're trying to reach you know based on all the different possible things you could think of for a polyomino game and scoring right lots of different stuff and then you're yeah. also getting these world wonders which are these cool uh, printed uh, I guess screen printed I guess um, painted wooden structures there's a ton of them you know and you're kind of trying to meet the requirements for those so you can put them on your board and they take up more space and basically just a big polyomino tile drafting game nothing too special about it i would say but it was an enjoyable enjoyable experience nonetheless a lot of maintenance in the game though a lot of maintenance a lot of sorting tiles and flipping tiles and who yeah uh was was this played at a game night it was yes why ah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. I also played World Wonders. Just, just going to interrupt. I know you have another game. But it's because uh, we, as Tabletop Shop, received a copy for free from Arcane Wonders. Ah, okay. So I'm going to have to do a review on it soon. But you haven't so played I it wonder... yet. No, I have played it. Ah, okay. Yeah. Right, so well... I, I'm just curious if the person you played it with also like got a review copy or something. No, no, I don't think so. Oh. I think it's been out for a while. Like at least a really? year, I think. Yeah. Why are I they sending so. out... I thought it was 2023. Why are they sending out review copies now? They should have done that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they send okay. out earlier review copies and then they send out more to get more kind of attention uh, brought to it, I would assume. Okay. Yeah. I feel a lot less cool now. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting those pre-released uh, Kickstarter prototypes it, like back in the Way Brother days. All right. Last but not uh, okay. least, uh, I believe this also came out last year. It's, it's so funny. This one I also played at a game night. And literally the day before, I think I had seen it on a Dice Tower list and I was looking into it and I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. Uh, this is the White Castle, uh, another dice drafting, I guess, dice allocation game, whatever you want to call it, dice placement, and a lot of different cards. There's some tableau building. There's some making actions better by removing pieces and putting them on the board. There's different workers that you can you use dice and you can get workers off your board and those workers can do things on the board, usually generating points and resources. But when those workers come off the board, they improve actions that are also on your board. And then there's this whole card system where the actions are constantly rotating kind of, and you can pick up cards that are main actions and add them to your player board and do stuff with them. 
it's a lot of it's it's kind of just a mishmash of different mechanisms but wow it blends so well and the game looks amazing it was it was just it was fantastic and i really really want to play it again it wasn't even that complicated but there is so many different there's so many different things that are combined and there's so many things that you want to accomplish that you can't accomplish all the way right and so most good games have this where you can see the end of a lot of different possible you know tracks that you could pursue you're not going to get to the end of all of them so you're picking and choosing and it's it's just it just is it's just great you know and the game looks amazing yeah does really, it sort of feel really like good. tapestry in that way um no i i meant tracks in more of a it was just a word that came to my head i didn't mean it necessarily in a specific track sense but in more of a different avenues that you can pursue ah, right okay, and there gotcha. are end goals at all of those avenues big points that are waiting for you and stuff but you're not going to get to the end of all of them right so tracks is like the very physical exact manifestation of that but you know yeah. as a more general strategy avenue thing that's in all games so i'm looking at it now i like the little bridge things are those <laughs> yeah no those are those like are standard plastic yeah. okay. no they're cardboard oh okay i'm less um, thrilled now they still look cool though <laughs> no i think they, i think it'd be a little chintzy if they're plastic they look they look good um well i guess maybe not plastic i was imagining like the tapestry kind of what, what, do, what would you call those buildings Hmm. Not a not acrylic. Yeah, I don't know. Not root. Whatever those not things resin. are. I don't know. It's kind of some weird, softer, plasticky, nice texture. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But the the box is also really small. Um, not really small, but it's it's smaller than Castle's Burgundy size. You know, it's it's smaller than that. But the game packs a punch, and it's there's a lot of replayability in there too, because there's a lot of different things you can explore. So, very pleased with the White Castle. Thinking about buying it, but definitely want to play it some more. Okay, well, thanks for the tip. I'm writing that down. It's yeah, going man. on the list. Well, the checkout list. You know, you know what I mean. You know what? I mean. Checkout like okay. it's in what? the cart. Checkout or? Uh, no, like well, <laughs> check out to determine if I will check it out. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, Clear. you know what I'm saying. Now, Nate, I wasn't keeping track of how long you spent on each specific game, but I do know that it's been like nine minutes at least now. Yeah, average closer four. to two. <laughs> yeah, come on, dude. Okay, so now now it's my duty to speed run. Played Red Rising. You already talked about Red Rising. I was pretty disappointed. I'm going to blame you because you you told me I should get this game. <laughs> I'm glad I only spent $15 on it. Uh, and th this might be kind of ironic why I didn't like it, but I just I did not get the thematic connection. I know yeah. your deal with Fantasy Realms is you don't think it's thematically, like it doesn't score thematically. I do think it scores thematically, but I did not have that experience with Red Rising, probably because I know nothing about the book series, and so why a given character would score off of another character had just like no meaning for me. Mm -hmm. And so, just kind of the rest of the game just felt like sort of a disappointing version of Fantasy Realms. Really? It was interesting that there were other, like, other things going on, like you could put down influence and you could advance on the fleet track and like some extra scoring things, but it all just kind of felt more like a distraction to me from from the nice smooth experience that fantasy realms offers hmm. okay and i i guess i'm not just trying to trash it against fantasy realms even if i had never played fantasy realms i think i would have been pretty bored with this game hmm. well i don't think i enjoyed the game for any thematic reason either like i know nothing about hmm. the 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 book series it's based on either um sure. I guess I didn't even really think about the fact that it wasn't too thematic because I just didn't even care. But it's the same with Fantasy Realms. Like, I don't care that Fantasy Realms isn't thematic either. Like, I've brought mm. that up as a negative thing a few times because when we're talking about 
games that don't have theme or whatever, it comes up. But to me, that actually doesn't even matter that much. Like, if the game's good, I like it. Um, and so for uh, me, so I you just am, don't like fantasy realms. Then. I just don't like fantasy. Like, I, I think fantasy realms is a good concept, but I think after a few plays, I'd be done. I'd be checked out. I felt mm-hmm. like um, Red Rising had a lot more replayability because there's a lot more cards and they all have two powers. They have, you know, an action and they have a scoring thing. And mm-hmm. there's a lot more interaction going on within the cards themselves. So it felt like a step up from fantasy realms with a lot more replayability, but still a solid design is what I thought. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could see someone liking it, but it just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Just didn't do it for me. Too it's hard bad. to even articulate other than what I already articulated. But yeah, Red Rising is not rising on the list for me. It's red <laughs> lowering. <laughs> All right. Game number two I played, Turing Machine. Do you know much about this game? Honestly, I, I know nothing. Is it is it abstract? Because heard... it seems like I'm, I'm picturing the cover and it seems like an abstract game. Well, it's abstract in that computers don't really have a theme. To they them. have a computer so, theme? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, okay, sure. It's it's not like there's really much going on besides logic. It, it's just a logic game. It's a very cleverly designed logic game. So there's going to be an answer, some three-digit code. Each of the digits can only be one through five. So it's not like um, it's, there's not 1,000 possibilities for what the number is going to be. It's whatever five times five times five is. <laughs> What is that? 125? There's 125 possibilities, Nate. Sure. Um, But then how you get to that point, it's sort of a Mastermind-esque experience, but a little bit more complicated. Have you played Mastermind? I have, yeah. I'm throwing out. Okay, so kind of like that, to where there's four different proofs that you can test against that are randomized for the game. And one of those proofs might be the middle number is odd or even. So you can take your three-digit guess make your middle number either odd or even, and then test it against all these little, uh, there's like different cards that you put together for what your guess is uh, that all have punches in them. So you can lay it over a key to get either a yes or no. It's it's kind of hard to describe without you just like looking it up. Or is, this a video. A, is this a solo game? That Okay, that's a complaint about it. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. No, it is a group game. Okay. But all that to say, you can't figure out exactly, is the middle digit two? It's like you have to figure out, is the middle digit even or odd? And then is the right digit like greater than the sum of the other digits? So it's this very complicated brain game where you can never find out exactly what a digit is. It has to all be deductive reasoning based off of everything okay. else. Okay. So all that to say, it's supposed to be a group game, but I'm just playing it in board game arena. This is just a puzzle. It's it's not even a game. It's it's just a logic puzzle. That is like exactly I, I, what I was thinking while you were explaining yeah, it. Yeah, I have a really tough time considering this a board game or even if you can play the digital version, why you'd buy the physical version because it's, yeah. it's the equivalent of like playing Minesweeper or something. I enjoyed it. It was a fun challenge. But in terms of being a group activity, just like, no. It, it sounds like something that would be designed as a computer game or an app. And then the question would be, like, why would you ever want a physical version? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the physical version is cool for how it works. Like, it is a, it's impressive how it's designed because you have to take all these cards that match up to the digits one through five for each of the three slots and then lay them over each other. So it, it, it really is like a, a feat of engineering. But sounds like a, a lot of work you you too. You don't really care, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. So mi- mixed feelings about Turing Machine. 
I, I don't know if I'm even going to include it like in a ranking of games because it, it's hard to actually consider it a game or not. Yeah, I understand. Activity. But then, yeah. Anyway, I spent a long time on that. So Nucleum. Nucleum is the Ooh. last game I played. Nucleum. Yeah, baby. I think I dropped this in at like number 12 on my top 100 after playing it. So it's There's worse a than lot Carnegie. Uh, well, yeah. One <laughs> one rank less than, <laughs> than Carnegie. Objectively worse, Cody. Doesn't matter. <laughs> sure. There, there's a lot there's a lot going on in this game it felt like you haven't played barrage but it had a lot of aspects of barrage which makes sense because it's simone luciani who did barrage mixed with brass um, a lot of elements of both and then whatever random stuff david terzi brought to the table um, he did an acronym yeah sure. he did yeah so it's it's this impressive mishmash of stuff going on. So you've got networking, you've got this very interesting like uh, action selection thing where you you start off depending on which player board you have. You have like five somewhat unique player tiles or worker tile things that you you shove into your own board. You plug them into this little slot, and you can activate two abilities for each of those tiles, and they all have different abilities. And then depending on how many of those you do, those slots you're plugging them into, they qualify you for a higher level of income at the end of the round if you also move up income markers underneath those slots. So it's this cool little double system. But wait, all those little worker tile things you're using, you can spend them permanently on the board, flip them over, and use them as a network. But they give you a one-time ability based off of what, what's on the tile in the first place. So it's there's already a couple things intertwining going on there, but then you have all these technologies you're shoving in on the left side of your board. Uh, there's sort of a, I, I don't know, like, well, you haven't played Barrage, so it's not, it's, it's not going to make sense to you, but sort of a Barrage style, you generate energy on a given single specific action, and depending on how much energy you generate, you get to power up buildings, and then those flip over and give you other bonuses. It's very fun. So does contract this, fulfillment? Does this yeah. feel like like listening to the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, where you're like, "Oh, okay, Hans obviously took this from Gladiator, his other work." <laughs> is it? Does it feel like that, where you're like, "Oh, this is Barrage uh, 2.0"? Um, it's, it's it's hard to say because I was thinking about this for Shem Phillips games and Sam McDonald. All their games are basically. The, the same style you know if, if you played any other type of board game and then played garfield games they're all, like each of those games are a little bit different from each other but they all incorporate like multi-use cards um different uses of like workers and you know there, there's there's stuff there's stuff that's going on that's kind of the well, same maybe accepting so, viscounts I mean, Viscount still has a bunch of multi-use cards, yeah. for sure. Like, they but go also, very heavy on the... I wonder room. how much of that opinion you're saying right there is affected by the fact that the games all look very, very similar to each other. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, and that definitely impacts it. Um, I think they, they still fit very strongly in a mm -hmm. style. And why I bring all that up is I don't think that's a negative against Simone Luciani to say that this is has aspects very similar to barrage because it's definitely a different game um, well i feel like maybe if he just has a certain style of of the way he thinks about how a game should work it it does mirror that yeah and I don't, i'm not saying it's a bad thing either you know it could be he looked at barrage and he was like there's a lot more i want to do with this mechanism 
but I don't want to make a Barrage second edition because I think Barrage is good and I want to explore more stuff that makes the game very different. So kind of mm-hmm. taking a core mechanism and building another game around it. And I, I mean, I don't have a problem. Even if you took that mechanism from a different designer, like there's no intellectual properties on mechanisms, you know, that's all fair use. Sure. So like it's a compliment even if somebody sees a mechanism they like and they take it and twist it and use it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's enough other things going on in Nucleum um, that it's it's definitely not like a Barrage 2.0. It's just you can see some aspects. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I recognize that. But definitely a solid game and well-priced game. This was under 50. Really? It's so for, new, too. Uh, wow. Yeah, very new. A lot of stuff in the box. I definitely went over one minute talking about this. Cody, I think <laughs> you've been over 10 fun. here total. So. <laughs> Um, let's see. 14, I think I think you and I both spent about the same amount of time talking about our games. So well, there. We better get on to the game so of the week then. Alright, let's do it. Okay. Um Game of the Week, already mentioned in the intro. This is Spirit Island. This is one I'm surprised we haven't talked about yet, actually. Honestly, Cody. Why why have we not talked about this game yet? because uh, we've talked about other games <laughs> well here's the thing that. i mean we talked about things like aquatica i mean it's not like one of us was waiting to play spirit island before we could talk about it i just don't know why we haven't gotten to it but here we yeah, are that's a good point i don't have an answer okay <laughs> here we are with, with spirit island i'll give a brief overview even though you've probably played it more recently than i have um probably yeah this is a cooperative game it's a very heavy game where you each take on the role of a spirit that is trying to basically kill kick off whatever these uh these settlers these colonizers that are coming and building towns and stuff uh that are colonizing that are settling your island um so you're playing as a spirit trying to get rid of them so the colonizers are the bad guys uh, there's a very overt uh theme message here <laughs> um the colonizers <laughs> are the bad guys and you collectively are using your different unique powers it's a very very asymmetrical game you you're using your unique powers and cards and all these different things to kill i guess you're killing i don't know thematically if you're killing them but to kill as and and banish as many of them and their their settlements and everything as you can um that's that's the very brief overview um it's a it's a like i said it's a highly asymmetrical game and it's not like root where it's like okay there's just four it's i don't know how many come in the base game at least eight maybe more different very different factions i guess you would say spirits that all play very very differently and have different levels of complexity as well um that's that's spirit island i feel like that was a very brief but maybe good enough summary i think that was pretty good um there is i'll just throw in there a fear mechanic in the game that Mm -hmm. is um, pretty signature for it to where there's different levels of how you win the game the game gets easier to win the later it gets because you increase the level of fear which reduces the requirement you need to win the game, but you're also running out of time. Um, and I think if you throw that in there, collectively, we have effectively described <laughs> Spirit Island. Well, let's dive right in then with our pros, Cody, with the things we love, the things we like. Um, right. The first and most obvious, probably the first thing you wrote down as well, I would assume, is the art. Um, and, and I would even say the production value kind of goes hand in hand with this i will say i don't like at least in the version we played and i don't know if this is standard or not the little colonizers the little bad guys are like these little plastic minis 
um, but they felt they're, they're kind of flimsy and they, they seem kind of cheap. The rest of the game looks great. Great player colors, wooden pieces, the art. The art is tremendous. I absolutely love the art. And everything else about the production, I think, is, is pretty good. Um, but that that's something about Spirit Island that really always... It's the first thing I think about when I think about the game. I'm like, that is a very good-looking game. Okay, you know what's weird? is I did not mention the art anywhere in my list of, the, of either likes or dislikes. <laughs> that is so funny. But I will definitely agree that this is impressive production. Okay, but obviously nice. not memorable. <laughs> I, I think I was just focusing on other things. Like, now that you bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, there is some pretty cool art in here. But, yeah, besides that. Invalidating now, the my first point. Thing, okay, go ahead. Yeah, the first thing I put down was the asymmetry, actually. Um, I think it's cool that there's a common objective for everybody. It's it's like an a Well, I guess most cooperative games, of course, they have an asymmetric aspect. But this goes hard on the asymmetric aspect. Everybody's trying to get to the same point to win but everyone contributes in very different ways depending on what mm-hmm. like spirit you're playing as. Like the the one game that you and I actually played together, you had the guy who you you didn't even actually like kill or remove settlers or anybody from from the island. You just kind of pushed them around using fear so other people could then just like wipe them off the map. That's, I was that's cool. I was the assister as far as like I can push people around a lot wherever they needed to go, but also yeah. I was generating a lot of fear also, which is a, an important aspect of the game even if it's not like the most direct way to win. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. They're very very it's also my point as well. So many different Take it. like so many different vastly different very unique play styles you know and that i love because it really increases replayability right the problem is the same the 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 way the game works will be the same as far as how the enemies come out and what they do but how you react to them is very much determined by what character you have and that puzzle that's associated with that character and i just love Mm -hmm. it yeah 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 my second point kind of plays off that i think it's just really satisfying when you do well at the game if you can get some good moves some good combos if you're taking the pieces off your board so you're uncovering more abilities and you're slowly getting these cool uh, like powered up cards, you can play all those and do a bunch of things on one turn and just like swipe off a bunch of settlers and houses and cities. Like, yeah. That feels pretty cool. Yeah. And this game gives you opportunities to do that. And it gives you this kind of, you feel good, like you're helping, right? There's other people that are mm-hmm. doing effective things. And whenever you have a chance to be effective, you're like... Okay, I'm actually participating. I'm actually involved in us winning this. We're all collectively working together. You compare this to something like the crew. The crew is like, okay, we're all working towards something, but I'm just, I have my personal goals I'm trying to achieve. Hey, if everybody achieves their personal goals, we win. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. kind of solo cooperative game in a way. This is a very cooperative, cooperative game. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, Next thing I'll say, oh, oh, okay. I think that was, that was your thing. Oh, you're just playing off my thing. Okay, you take you take the next point. Um, well, this is my last point. Um, the enemy system. Now, I to be fair, I think the enemy system is maybe a little bit convoluted, and I'll get to that. Maybe that's not even the right word, but I'll talk about that a bit later in the con section. But I think it is a very intricate system, and it's a very interesting system where you have these enemies that are flipping over different terrain types, which represent the different terrain types on the randomly assembled board, I think. Um and those terrain types are put into different action slots that determine what the enemy will do and every round they shift and so you know what actions are coming up and what terrain types that um 
are going to trigger in those action slots. So you know, uh, other than the card that's being flipped over for the current round, you know what other actions specifically the enemies are going to do and for the next couple rounds. And so it gives you this foreknowledge and you can already react uh, prematurely, right? So prepare mm -hmm. for what they're going to do. Very, very cool system. Yeah, that was one of the things I was going to put down the the event deck whatever you call it that thing i do like that very much the fact that you can plan two turns ahead because this is a hard game to win there's a lot going on mm, a lot yeah. you have to think about a lot you have to do it's it's really important that you understand oh okay, okay let's see i can i can move these guys off this spot or wipe them off this spot and they're going to appear next on this spot so i need to get my influence moved over here yeah that's pretty cool um the final thing i will say is i think the fear system is cool the fact that winning winning gets easier the more fear there is and the later in the game that's interesting because it's paired against the fact that you're also running out of time so it's kind of this double climax that appears uh -huh. with the game i haven't really seen that system implemented in many other places because i mean you have like a have you played the the forbidden series like forbidden island forbidden I've desert. Played desert yeah Okay, so there's like the aspect of it's like sand is slowly filling up everything, so you know you're running out of time. But winning isn't getting any easier. Like, you still have the same objective. So it's cool Spirit Island takes that aspect and then adds to it. If, you, if you're doing well, you can make it easier on yourself as time goes on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Those that, are my likes. That's it for me, too. Uh, so right. let's talk about cons here. Uh, for me, the, the biggest one, I think, is that it's it's very rules heavy in a way you need somebody almost you need somebody to run this this game you know in a sense like gloomhaven we've talked about this before where it's like there isn't technically somebody running the game but there's so many rules and there's so many little details that you need somebody who knows it inside and out so that not everybody has to right and yeah. to me that is a negative aspect to a game same thing with gloomhaven it's a negative aspect that there's one person who kind of runs it, right? Either that or everybody has to put in a lot of effort to really know the game inside and out. So, Yeah, that can make it not super fun, um, especially when it's paired with my, my dislike right here that I'll put down, is the game itself, besides all the rules, it's just hard. <laughs> this yeah. is a hard, hard game to win. You're, you're already trying to remember how to do everything correctly, but it it is not an it's not an easy feat to actually win the game. Do you, Cody? And I appreciate. Huh? I was gonna say, do you know what this kind of simulates to me? The feeling this kind of simulates, it simulates like playing Call of Duty Zombies or something. I was gonna ask if that's what you were gonna say. Yeah. Yeah, it's like this 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 slow creeping sense of like, it's starting to feel overwhelming, overwhelming panic starting uh -huh. to sit in. How am I gonna combat this? There's too many, you know. <laughs> like it's. And in a way, that's one of the things I love about something like zombies. It's also one of the things that I like. It's a little anxiety-inducing, right? So, uh huh. Except zombies, there there is no hope. Eventually, like, you yeah, will right. lose. <laughs> but that that kind of just gave me an idea, dude. What if what if we made a game, or what if there already is a game that there there is no winning? You just see how many rounds you can survive. I I wonder if people that, would like that'd that. Be or interesting. Not. I really don't know because. I don't know. It works in a video game, but I don't. I really, I don't know, man. I really don't know. It's a good question. Maybe I, I it, wonder if something exists already that's like that. Yeah. Well, maybe if it was like a some sort of campaign esque game or like a legacy thing, to where depending on how far you got the first time, 
that has some sort of effect on like, yeah, the following right. round. I don't know. I think there anyway, needs that, something conclusive. Otherwise, it's. It, I think people mm. wouldn't be interested after a while, but I don't know. Maybe eventually there's some way to ultimately win. <laughs> but enough, this this isn't the game design podcast. Go go listen to Gabe Barrett's thing if you want that. This is the We Talk About Whatever We Want podcast. Which could be game design sometimes. It could be. But as I was saying, this is a hard game to win. And how that's a dislike for me is the whole game just feels like a long slog. Like there's a lot of cool things you can do, but ultimately it just feels like the stress is loaded so high that after just playing it a couple of times, it just kind of went out of my memory. Like I just didn't care to play it again. And that's that's kind of a negative for yeah. me. I, I think if there was like a streamlined version of this, tour is a little bit easier to manage you could maybe even play the game a little bit quicker i might be more willing but as is it's like uh spirit island so much going on yeah, yeah yeah um mine is one my next point is one that i feel like a lot of people could disagree with but for me it feels a bit despite how good the game looks and how good the theme uh is is depicted the game feels kind of abstract to me when i'm actually playing it what the game becomes is just this goal of trying to get people off the island, which sure is the theme, but I'm not really thinking about that. It's kind of just like, how do I make the mechanisms work together? How do I maximize my effectiveness? What cool combinations can I find? But it it really doesn't become about what the theme is about to me. I'm not thinking about what the cards thematically are doing when I play them. I'm just like, okay, this I can combine with that, which sets me up to do this. Okay, let's do that. You know, and it, I, it, the theme kind of gets lost and all that for me, you know, and I, th- I think that's something that rightfully so I could see a lot of people might disagree with. Yeah, I don't know if I quite feel that, but I, I can see where you're coming from. If, if it just gets to the point where you're just focusing on all the mechanisms and you're just moving the pieces, I could see you kind of dropping out of the And that could be any game, right? And the heavier a game is, the more likely I think it is to fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it just becomes a job to run, right. that definitely is. That's hard. I just have one other dislike, and it's just the fact that I don't like those little plastic figurines. Yeah, man, they're bad. They're just so delicate. I'm always afraid of just, like, snapping them in half. Yeah, 100% agree. That's it. <laughs> Ultimately, I think this game is not really for me. I think I've played it twice, and I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it either time, but for me, it feels like such an event and I think the game is a really, this is one of these cases, it's one of these games where I am like almost in awe of how good of a design the game is, but I don't actually like it that much, you know? Like I can respect mm. the design for what it is, but it feels like so much labor, you know? There's so much to remember. You would have to play it so many times, I feel like, to really start getting a very rewarding experience out of it. Uh, I don't know. You know, for such an event game, there's there's many other games I would rather play that require the same or similar amount of energy and time investment. So, yeah, I feel the same way. I I bought this after the first time I played it, and then I played it with Kirsten a couple of times, and it was like, nah, yeah. <laughs> I'm selling this now. <laughs> Thankfully, it's so popular that it was easy to sell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I I think I agree in the fact that you. To really do well at it and maybe enjoy it, you'd have to get to know it super well. You have to play it a lot. The thing is, what happened for me is after I'd gotten to that point, uh, it just got kind of boring. Like, I just didn't care anymore. Hmm. So sort of a 
a defeating cycle. Yeah, that is too bad. But however, I think this is a game that is a lot of people's favorite game. And there is a there are a lot of very valid reasons for that. So more power to them. Indeed. And enough about that. How about we we engage in this really long, probably board banter we're about I to embark on. Go, we'll see. Tell. I don't know if it's going to be that long. You know, I don't think so. We'll there, there's a lot of things to cover that I suppose we'll cover quickly. So, how about a board banter that has a lot of line items in it? How's that sound? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Physically, it takes up a lot of space. Sure. Yeah. Um, so essentially, we're doing a couple things here. One is we're going to analyze our top 100. In a way, I've kind of wanted to do at some point a us going over our maybe not our top 100 but our top 50 or our top 30 or something but a lot mm-hmm. of those games that are in that are games that have been talked about a lot anyways so i don't know if it would be super interesting but we gave ourselves a lot of prompts questions um from our entire top 100s that we're going to kind of go over and analyze our personal and the other person's top 100 games i've been looking forward to this this will be awesome. fun okay let's yeah. start off with the first one then cody if you want, right. you can just go first on everything, and I'll go second. Um, let's talk about our top twenty-five, and this one's this is your prompt: Who introduced the other to more of the top twenty-five games? So, did I yeah. introduce you to more of your top twenty-five, or did you? Basically, this is a, this is a bragging, this is a boasting situation, right? Who can yeah. boast? Yeah, boast greater. Yeah. So, um, for what you introduced me to. In my top 25 games, you introduced me to eight of those games. Three of those are in the top 10, being Tapestry number four, Dune Imperium number nine, and Stronghold number 10. And then the average rank of all those games, so if you add up like Tapestry was four, Dune Imperium was nine, take all those and then divide it by that many games. Average rank was 14.25. Okay, those are my right stats. in the middle. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um... So you introduced me to six of mine. So I already won on that front, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, my number three, Scythe. So that's higher than any of the ones I introduced you to. Number three, uh-huh. Scythe. Number five, Viticulture. Number seven, Seven Wonders Duel. Huh? Number 12, yeah, Ark yeah. Nova. Number 17, Underwater Cities. And number 18, Wayfarers of the South Tigris. Now, I did not do the fancy uh-huh. ranking thing, but I believe you said you did it for me so i i did so granted it was two less games than you had introduced me to but the average rank for you was 10.33 okay so i objectively introduced you to better games (laughs) than you introduced me to quantity over quality we could have that discussion exactly yeah awesome so we'll call it a tie how about that wow so stronghold was your number 10 as of december of last year yeah um let me pull up my comparison the thing is, it like barely moved. I think Stronghold. Okay, so it went up. It went up too. So it was twelve last year. Wow! And you didn't even play it last year. I didn't even play it. I don't know what it is, <laughs> dude. Great, it just man. it had it has such um it has such a presence. It has such clout in my heart. It's like the longer I get away from it, I'm like, I really like this. It's even better. Well, it really does have such staying power. You know, it's mm-hmm. such an impactful game in a way that somebody could play something like Spirit Island, maybe never play it again, but it has such a like, wow, yeah. that was good. I yeah. hope to play it again someday. Yeah, it's for me, it's dropped all the way down to 37. And a lot of that is oh. just because I don't play it anymore. You know, I still recognize it as a good design, but I don't I don't love it, you know, so it, it's dropping. What was the highest you had it? Um, The highest I had it, 
I believe it was in the top 20. Let's see, the year before it was 28. I'm not sure about the year before that. Okay. It might have been in the top okay. 15 the year before that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Should we go to our second item then? Second item, Cody. Uh, let's talk about yes. the most improved game this year. What game went up the yes. most spots? The game that went up the most spots for me was Meadow. This went up, wow. um, let's see, 28 spaces, um, but allowing for... that we, we have our little adjustment thing that we do. So new games that we played that year, we don't want to penalize a game underneath it for not having been played before. So in a sense... It went up 42 spaces if you take out all the new games that I had played over 2023. Um, yeah, that is the most improved. You you own it. I sold it to you. Kirsten still is unhappy about that. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, so mine's a similar situation because it's something I also haven't played. It's funny, actually. So so my, my most improved is my number 56, Arcadia Quest, which went mm. up from 85 last year to to 56. Now there's a couple funny things about this. One is that I didn't play it. I haven't played this game in like three or four years. <laughs> it went up that many spots. Um, but the, the even funnier thing is that the, the year prior, it was my game that dropped the most. The year prior, it what? went from 28 to 85. <laughs> and then this year it came back up to 56. So I, I don't even know how to explain it, man. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> That is a crazy jump, dude. It's just going all over the place. Uh, it is a good game, and I think it's in the right spot now. Um, but yeah, so that's Arcadia Quest by 56. Okay, then let's go to the other end. Cody, most dropped. What game fell the most for you as of from last most, year to this year? Most dropped. Oh, I'm looking on the wrong list now. Got to find the red spot. Hadara. Hadara <laughs> dropped... 49 spaces with the adjustment that's only 33 spaces but it's still the most that dropped it's down at 73 last year hadara was where was it got to use the control f function. did you say it dropped 49 spaces or how much did you say 39 spaces uh let me see it was 24 last year it dropped 49 spaces but with adjustment that's 33 wow my yeah that's a lot so that's a lot of space so mine's the same it's also hadara my hadara is 88 it also dropped 49 spaces <laughs> what <laughs> it did man <laughs> that's crazy interesting yeah. that's really interesting no i'm sure that we feel the same for us and it dropped the same amount i'm sure we feel the same way hadara i think is a good design i think i've played it enough times that i've seen everything the game has to offer i've mm -hmm. experienced all the strategies that are to offer in that game and I think it's a good design, I'm done, you know? Like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I felt. It had it had a lot to offer at first, and it was fun, but then it just kind of tanked after you had experienced that. Mm -hmm. It's like, bye. Uh, let, me, let me just throw this in there as just kind of a side note <laughs> for something I noticed. My most dropped game last year was Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, yeah. it, had dropped, it dropped 70 spaces. <laughs> And it, it was it was my number one hundred for last year. Is my number ninety eight this year? What? You so hate that game more up. now than know, you did last year. How is that possible? It just went up. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So I one that one thing, and this will be more relevant when we talk about uh, another question later on. But we both use uh, Pub Meeple to compare, and then yeah. after using Pub Meeple, at least I will maybe go through and make some changes. But 
There's a different, mm-hmm. it makes you think about things differently when it shows you the covers next to each other and you got pick, you got to pick one or the other, right? Uh-huh. That's a different way of ranking something than just having a list and dragging and dropping. It makes you think about it yeah. differently. I think there's an aspect of it too where the later you get in the ranking system, I think <laughs> choices become a little bit sloppier. Have you heard this thing about judges making court decisions? If it's like right before lunch, judges there's a certain percent increase in them like handing out higher penalties as they become hungrier like your your judgment starts to go a little bit and so the best time like if you if you have to go to court and get judged for some reason you want to go like in the morning or like after lunch and the judge tends to be more lenient so i feel like that plays out where as as you're spending like literally hours doing this ranking thing i think you get kind of tired and more sloppy so I'm, i'm wondering how much that affects our choices over time yeah yeah, but you can't you can't beat it though. So, okay, Cody, your highest new game, new to the list. Which yes. one did you get? Anything in the top ten? What was your highest? Oh, it was just shy. My highest new game was Carnegie, landed at space eleven. Wow, that's. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say like it feels like mine also didn't didn't uh, my highest did not make it into the top ten. And that, I feel like, is kind of sad. It's like every year, I would like to play at least one game that breaks yeah. into that, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see over the course of this year, as I play Carnegie more, will it make its way into the top 10? And it right. just since I just played it once right at the end of the year, it just kind of barely made it. Well, mine is yeah. my number 16. Um, that's Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Specifically, mm-hmm. with the Houses of Renaissance expansion, I have to say that as a modifier because... Without that expansion, it would be lower. With the expansion, it bumped the game up. And I have to say, it's, it's gone up higher since since then. So, but yeah, 16 as of December of last year. Yeah, that's still pretty pretty high. It's, it's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Okay, um, this is a little more interesting. We're not just, not just uh, picking and pulling off the list. What is the most underrepresented mechanism on your list that you want to see more of? Yeah, I thought that you you added this to the list, and I thought this was a curious question. And I wasn't sure how easy it would be for me to come up with an answer for that, just looking Mm -hmm. at all the 100 games. Um, But I actually did come up with one that I feel pretty strongly about. Okay. A a mechanism that I want to see more of is improvable actions. And specifically, we're looking at what Scythe and Wingspan do. And and as, as a side note, there's only two games in my top 100 that I feel do this and that scythe and wingspan so we have to clarify this is not improvable actions and the idea of you have ongoing abilities or like effects that trigger over time so like a Ares expedition terraforming mars you're putting down abilities and stuff but those those aren't making a standardized action stronger they're just kind of adding effects what scythe and wingspan do is they have uh, a small smattering of choices you can make every turn. Those are always the same choices, but you can make those stronger. So scythe, you can improve. Um, uh, you can you can reduce the cost of one action on the top, and then you can make a bottom action cheaper. Wingspan is you have all these uh, three rows of actions, and you can put down cards in them that make those actions a little bit stronger. And there's other than those two games, I can't think of any well, other games that implement that exact mechanic maybe i can because you oh, actually just mentioned a game that i think does this cody um okay Ares expedition with the expansion lets you upgrade your base actions you have a hand of action cards that are all base actions 
and throughout the course of the game, you can potentially upgrade them, exchange them out for a better version of the same action. Now, it's not a board thing where you're physically sure. can kind of see that it's improving, but you're exchanging an action for the same action that's improved. It's essentially the same thing, right? Ish, except it's just kind of a one-time upgrade. Whereas Scythe and Wingspan, you can you can continually work on making a given action better to an extent. Some of them, not all of them. I I, I guess I guess it sort of qualifies. <laughs> yeah. But the 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 other aspect is that that's an expansion. It's not even a the base aspect of the game. Okay. Um. How about how about you? Mine is. I would say mine would be rondelle games, um, to my knowledge. So a rondelle is, you know, basically something you're going. It's a it's a kind of an action track that you're going through again and again with a worker, stopping at different or the same spots, whatever, and you cycle through that same track again and again throughout the game. Um, to my knowledge, the only ones on my list currently uh, would be Great Western Trail and Viscounts of the West Kingdom. Um, Great Western Trail is something I haven't talked about yet. It's not on my top 100 as of last year, so actually I think I should take that off. Currently, it's one oh, of the okay. two. Um, but Viscounts is, I guess, as of 2023, the only one on my list that was that way. And since playing, huh. playing Great Western Trail, which I've played once, I'll maybe talk about it next episode, um, I'm realizing that that is a very interesting kind of fun mechanism. And I know there are more games out there that do it, quite a few more. And I'm really like, okay, this is something I want to explore more. You know, Viscounts is ranked pretty high for me. I don't think I wrote down what it is. Um, I think it's in my top 30 or 40. Um, I like okay. it quite a bit. And it just seems like a fun, it's a fun mechanism. I don't know. I think, I don't know. Have you played any games other than Viscounts that have that in it? Um, yeah, I played Glasgow. Glasgow has that. That it wasn't a super incredible game, but it does have <laughs> Good to a, know. <laughs> a, a constant circle you're going in. Um, would you qualify Heaven and Ale with that aspect? It's a rondelle that stops every round once you get to the end, but it does always reset. I think to me, it, I think Heaven and Ale inarguably has a rondelle aspect to it, but that's not the. There's a lot of other stuff going on in the game as opposed to that being the game. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Also, I don't All like right. the game that much. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. The game that you're most surprised made your top 100. Yeah. I realized that uh, I forgot this was a thing, and I kind of gave it away already, but Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring deck builder. <laughs> the fact that it was 100 last year, that is... it dropped so many spaces, it should have gotten eked off the list as soon as I had a new game, but for some reason it... it it kept the spot not just that the fact that you have been even more verbal about hating the game since then and it went up <laughs> didn't even stay at 100 it went know. up i don't know what it is dude i i don't know that's funny i i think maybe a lot of the games i had that were above it from the previous year is probably more them i was just like oh, nah no i don't like this i'd rather play fellowship of the ring the deck builder over this yeah, yeah i guess that's, that's what funny. happened yeah what's um, yours Mine is my number 90, which is Reef. Uh, I haven't talked about Reef in a long time, uh, since the beginning of, of last year, really. Um, or maybe the middle, I don't know. But I remember really very strongly, passionately talking about how much I disliked that game. Hmm. And reflecting on it now, 
I think the way I view it is that the actual system in the game is good. It's kind of like Hadara, but even even worse. Whereas the actual system that the game has and that it, the system, the mechanisms that it imp implements are actually good and they work well together. But after you play the game a couple times, like that's it. Like there's there's nothing else to explore. There's nothing else interesting that's going to happen. So it is a good design. And I think that's why it made it onto my list. But I will probably not ever play it again, and I'm not even interested in playing it again. So there's no chance that it's going to be on the list next year. So I was kind of surprised it made it this year. I think it just made it because it is, in a way, still a solid design. Yeah. Interesting. It'd be really funny if it does make it if next year. it goes year, up two and spots. And it's the game that you're even more surprised. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be funny. Okay. Uh, next one. The smallest footprint. Uh, like footprint footprint wise the smallest game on your list takes up the least least space on your table i thought this would be an interesting yeah. one because you and i both like kind of big bad games right and so kind of <laughs> wondering did. what's the smallest tiniest game that still made it into that that 100 yeah uh for me fantasy realms no surprise yeah, here okay uh yeah rank 33 it's literally just one single deck of cards that's the entire game I guess a score pad, but you know that that doesn't count. That doesn't count. <laughs> um, for me, what is that rank, by the way? Did you say thirty-three? Thirty. Oh, jeez, thirty-three. Yeah, wow, dude. that's crazy, man. Respect it. Mine's my number eighty-two, which is uh, Gantz schön clever, or that's pretty clever. Um, it the reason it, it made this is because it's a fun game. It's my number eighty-two, but it's also a roll, roll and write, and that's all it is. It's dice and a pad. Uh, okay. So you know, it was kind of the yeah. shoe in, shoe in for this. Uh, sure yeah so it's a fun game i mean i i thought i thought about cartographers for this option but i think fantasy fantasy realms is yeah they're still they're close but i think you're right yeah yeah okay uh last but not least for our top 100s what's the cheapest game on your list again we like the big bad ones right so which one is the easiest to get or the cheapest to get that still made it onto your yeah. list yeah see i thought this was going to be the same thing i thought it was also going to be fantasy mm -hmm. realms because I think I got Fantasy Realms for like $12. Um, my answer for you is Spies, Lies, and Supplies. I don't Very even, you mentioned this game once. I don't even remember what it's about. What number is it, by the um, way, on the list? It's, oh, I should look that up. I was looking it up on Board Game Oracle right now to figure out what the what its current price is. Spies, Lies, and Supply. Oh, this is saying it's like $12.49. Okay, maybe maybe Fantasy Realms was like oh <laughs> Fantasy Realms was like twelve ninety seven. I, I know I, I went through and I figured out which one was cheaper, and this one was the cheapest. Um, Spies Lies and Supply. So it's it's just a variation of Airland and Sea. So the full name is Airland and Sea Spies Lies and Supplies, but that's just way too long. That's to a say. terrible name for a game. I know, I know. And this is a tug of war game where there is one deck of cards where there's three suits, and each of those suits is one through six. So one through six, one through six, one through six, and there's three theaters that correspond to those suits put out in front of you. And how you win a round is you win the majority of the theaters for the round. If there's a tiebreaker, or if, if there is a tie, there, there is a tiebreaker that, that, that breaks it. Um, but each of those cards not only have their value to them, but they have an ability corresponding to like how strong the card is. So your number six card that's the strongest, it has like no ability. But then like your number one card has a really strong ability. And that, that's all it is. Uh, you just flipping over other people's cards to make them reduced value and you're just arguing for who who gets to win all the theaters i think i know why i don't remember because i think you have explained that before 
I think the reason I didn't remember is because it does not sound very interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, it it actually is though. Like, uh, it it's more fun than Hanamakoji. Uh, Hanamakoji kind of had that tug of war aspect. The aspect that I'm also really impressed by with it is the fact that if you think you're going to lose the the round, you can pull out early, and depending on how many cards you have left in your hand, because you play a hand of like five cards or six cards, you the other person gets less points for that round. Okay. Which is yeah. it's kind of cool. So there's kind of a mind game that's going on with it too. Alrighty. Uh, well, my my cheapest game on my list, also not my smallest game, although it was close. Um, cheapest is my number 98 barely made it Whew. and that's pit uh, you can get pit for 10 bucks uh, this is uh, a hectic noisy crazy card trading game um, it barely makes it onto my list it's a game i grew up playing i i love it i love it though really it's it's a great just kind of crazy yeah trading set collection game i guess you would say um yeah so that's pit you can get it for 10 bucks I would recommend it. Garbage, garbage <laughs> game. Not a game. Not a game. It's a game. I, I did realize I didn't tell you my rank for oh, Spies yeah. on Supplies. Fifty-two. Okay. All right. Twice as good, almost yeah. as a pit. So. Arguably, yeah. Okay. Um, almost done here. Let's move on to our 2023 plays. So you and I both this year have kind of done a lot of recording stats when we play games throughout oh, the year. Oh yeah. Um, and so we're gonna go over some of those why don't you i don't remember the exact order so why don't you introduce these there's only a few that we're going to talk about sure but, yeah yeah so first how many games you played um not unique games although i realize we should have done that too we we, we can do that if you have that stat i don't have but that the number of plays that you got done okay. this year um i had 311 plays which is a quite a drop from the 390 i had Ooh. in 2022 I actually have two answers to this because I felt like I needed to qualify. Um, instead of just saying 534, I felt like I needed to qualify that. So Whew. physical games, 298. Physical plays. Um, okay. Including physical and digital plays, it's, it's at 534, which is attributed to Dominion. Okay. I think I played Digital Dominion I don't know how <laughs> yeah. many times, man. So Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, if... if if we factor out digital plays, that's probably close to half of the games that I mm -hmm. played last year. At least a third. I don't know. Um, and now we do the KD, your, your win-loss <laughs> ratio. Um, so I had 197 wins and 99 losses for a 1.98 KD, just shy of 2.0. Ah, you did your ratio. Okay, I didn't actually do a ratio. Um well, I can divide for you. You can divide you for me. Get on the calculator. I'll spit these numbers out to you. What plays did you 298 have? total. 298. And 153 okay. wins. Because that's over. That's uh, over 50%. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm mistyping. I'm mistyping here. So 1.05. Slightly better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At least it's positive. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. And granted, like, probably a third of the plays I had last year were just like, you know, wingspan and scythe and stuff playing digitally which i have somewhat mastered yeah. so there's a lot of, okay. a lot of wins there yeah. yeah would have been interesting for you to do uh physical also but yeah, yeah. not worth it to, yeah. to figure it out now <laughs> no not worth it now all right um how many new plays did you get last year so new games that you never played before new games that i learned this year or last year i guess 
Uh, 62. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. It's a lot of games. Um, I had 36, so close to half. Hmm. I don't I mean, know what, what to tell you, Cody. Half, but <laughs> close to half. I don't know. I'm, I'm doing well this year. I already have like nine or something new games played. Yeah, I think I'm already yeah. over 10 this year, and I think nice. this year being part of a game group is going to help with that a lot i think there's gonna i think i might hit 100 this year we'll see wow that that'd be crazy how many uh how many this isn't even on the list but how many different games have you played like do you keep track oh of total that number how many different yeah. games total i've played uh computing noises computing noises <laughs> i have played two exactly 250 different games wow okay I have played exactly 230. Ooh, it's still a tight race, Cody. Still a tight yeah. race. But all that to say, if you played 100 new games this year, that would be... 350. Like 40, it'd be like 40%. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> Whatever's okay, next on the next, list. <laughs> next, the next thing is your best month, the month where you had the most plays. Mm, okay, yeah. What, you, what, what do you got? For me, this was May of 2023. Um, in okay. May, I played, again, two stats, total and then physical. So total, I played 80, had 80 different plays in May. Um, but 50 okay. of those were physical, so 30 were digital. I still had 50 yeah. physical plays, so that's almost two a day. Not quite, but yeah. Man, that's a busy That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I ha uh, February, for me, I had 100 plays, exactly 100, which is pretty dope. Here's the yeah, thing. Yeah, here's the thing. 80 <laughs> 80 of those were Dominion, digital That's so Dominion. Funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> 80 plays. <laughs> I played as many games of Dominion as you had all your games yeah. your best month. Yeah. That's it's sad, also not Cody. saying much, though, because it it's Dominion. No, it's, well, the thing is, I don't know if I played it since then. <laughs> okay. And then I think, lastly, right, to finish this all off, is we have a tiny little mini list, right? That's what it is. It's a little mini list. Yeah, a little top three. Okay. <laughs> How many uh, your your most played games of the year? Your top three most played games. Okay, I can go Hit first, off, dude. Um, and yeah. I'm already gonna say I'm leaving out. I'm leaving out Dominion. We're just talking physical, because um, total <laughs> physical and digital. I played Dominion 234 times last year, um, which is higher than anything <laughs> else on my list. Believe it or not. So yeah, um, my actual number three with 13 plays was Carcassonne and all of its different. Uh, you know permutations expansions okay. and whatnot yeah 13 okay. plays um i don't know how to go about mine because <laughs> my top three are all digital <laughs> of course of course and then 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 i kind of just have guesses for like it, it jumps down i'll okay i'll just say digital i'll explain the rest okay. when we're all done Digital number three was Scythe, 22 plays. 22, okay. You know what? That's oh, yeah. not as high as my number one still, Cody. So. Wow. Um, but okay. my number two with 15 plays, barely beat out Carcassonne, is Cartographers. Played that one a lot. Small game, easy to bust out. Played it quite a bit. Okay. Um, my number two was Wingspan, still digital, of course. 29 plays. 29. That is higher than my number one. <laughs> kind of pathetic compared to last year, though, because I probably had like 80 plays of wingspan <laughs> not as many as you had of dominion this year i'll tell you what no um not. lastly for me my number one the game i played most of this year 25 plays that's more than twice a month 
Seven Wonders Shoot. Duel. Whoa. Great game. Nice. Well played, literally. Uh, my number one, Dominion. <laughs> Nin- 91 plays. Oh. So here's what I ran into making my list is Kirsten likes variety. She doesn't really like playing the same game mm-hmm. multiple times in a row. Um, and we, we didn't have a super strong year last year for like getting lots of physical plays. So that being said, the physical game we played the most was Fantasy Realms. And I played that 16 times. Ooh, okay. And then it came down to where it was hard to actually like look through everything and actually keep a tally. Yeah. So it, it probably came out to like second place would be maybe five plays. And that would probably be like Seven Wonders Duel, maybe Three Sisters. Okay. Okay. Kind of little games like that. Yeah. Maybe eh, Cartographers is probably like three plays. Well, so yeah, probably on average is like three or four plays for the better ones. Anna and I had a weird year because we spent most of it traveling, which actually you would think would not be conducive mm. to playing a lot of games. Um, but the entire time traveling, we had Seven Wonders Duel, Cartographers, and Machi Koro, which Machi Koro was probably a runner-up for this list. Had all of those with us. And multiple places we went, people had Carcassonne. And so... Yeah, due to that. And then, of course, my 200 and some odd plays of Dominion Digital <laughs> because we were traveling. Um, so, yeah. yeah, because of that lifestyle, we played those games specifically because those a lot of times were like some of the only games available to us. And so we just played them a lot. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to have a good year this year because so far I have played just this month seven games of tapestry because of board game arena board game arena is going to be the revolution this year i think <laughs> it's your new digital uh vice <laughs> yes um, my, my digital best friend as of january oh geez as of january i oh this is great actually i already have 18 plays and 14 of them are are different games so for like 14 different games wow. and or maybe 15 different games actually and 18 total plays so well all right we're running a bit bit long but that was fun a fun one a fun reflective episode maybe at some point in the future we will do maybe next year or the year after we'll actually do like a top 25 or something some you know actually going through our our favorite games because certain games i think will be mentioned less and less often um you know games we mentioned a lot towards the beginning of the podcast because they were our favorite games now aren't really like you know things like champions of midgard or viticulture stuff that yeah. doesn't really get brought up anymore so maybe in a year or so it will be fun to talk about our top whatever and we can kind of come back to these old classics that we don't talk about anymore you know yeah that would be pretty fun because at that point too next year we'll probably each have like five solid years of gaming experience mm-hmm. yeah you know, like obviously we've been gaming longer than that, but really being in the hobby. So games that are in the top 25 after that amount of time are going to be, you know, pretty solid and worth worth mentioning again. Alrighty, Well, that thank you for joining us on this trip of looking through games. We be tripping. And remember, a more interesting theme would have been Spirits Island, where you play as stranded drunkards with asymmetric powers based off of what kind of alcohol you got drunk on. It's good to be here in the outro section with you. Let me put on my jazz voice. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the outro section. 
I, that's all I got. I, I think it's important for the people to know that uh, the Cowboys' Mike McCarthy not expected to get extension, sources say. I'm just looking through my Google News while Cody does his, uh, his outro. Are you done, Cody? And see ya. <laughs>